Amen. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's good. So I have this song I've been developing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I really do have a song I've been writing. It's called The name of the song is The Hymn of the Wilderness. And it's really powerful. And I'm not going to sing it to you because that would ruin the song. But, <laughs> but it is a real hymn that God's really been putting in my heart um, <clears throat> through all this. And if y'all remember the word that we're given, that we were coming out of the wilderness. And sometimes you get these words, you're coming out of the wilderness, and it's like, this is coming out of the wilderness? <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> if this is coming out, man, <laughs> I'd hate to know what going in is. <laughs> but So I wanted to read a couple of scriptures to you. I better just go ahead and do this or I'll be in trouble. Okay. So I'm going to read this scripture. This is some of this is just a lot of review, really, for some people. But um, this is the most important thing for me. So I want to tell you what's really important to me. This is John 14, 8 through nine, and eight through nine, and this is the New Living Translation. Philip said, "Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied." That's a great. Word, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? And so I think pretty much Jesus' entire ministry on the earth could be summed up in those two verses. Is that He came to the earth to show us what the Father is like. And all that He did and all that He said and how He died, all that was to reveal the Father so that mankind could really, really know the Father. Um, I wanted to read this quote by Mr. Henry Noeen. Who, who in here knows who Henry is? Raise your hand. Everybody should get to know Henry Noeen. N-O-U-W-E-N. He's no longer with us. He's with the Lord but he was, uh, let me just tell you about Henry. Henry was a, theolo- a Catholic, Catholic theologian. Uh, uh, I think you know, Notre Dame and a lot of these other really uh, grand schools, uh, he taught theology. And somehow he winds up going to Toronto to a home for disabled people. For people who had, you know, learning disabilities, who, you know, just had all these different things. And it just totally, radically changed his life. And this is one of the things he says. The reason it changed his life, suddenly he was a nobody to those people. Because none of those people could care less about Henry's theological knowledge. He was just a person. And they didn't, because of because of who they were and because of their issues that they had, they had no respect in terms of somebody, just because somebody's got a, a theology degree and is a professor at a grand place, that, that meant nothing to these people. And it really broke Henry and made him become the real Henry, the, the person who really had something to really say. And he winds up taking these people with him all over the world to, to share and at these high-level places, and would actually let some of these people speak uh, in these, uh, you know, speak to these people who, these learned people, these, and, and it was 
some of the stories are pretty hilarious. But Henry, he wrote a, a one book that I read years and years ago about the prodigal son. I got actually the picture of it back there in the office of the cover of the book. Uh, and it's Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son. Um, and it's a, I would rec- recommend everybody read that book. It's one of my favorite books. But he's written a lot of books, and he's sort of the anti of everybody else. You know, when everybody else talks about leadership and how great I waste in my life, spiritually and relationally, just, you know, most of my life, really, I've wasted a lot of things. And But God has never rebuked me for any of it. He's, he's always reached out to me when I you know, find myself... I feel like I've wasted years or wasted things that he's he's given me. And he never, and all he said to the older brother when he was being such a jerk was, everything I got is yours. Everything. It's, all, it's yours. It's always been yours. You're, and you're always with me. He didn't, he didn't come down on him for being, you know, having such a terrible attitude and, and being jealous and, all that stuff. So the whole story hinges on the father's giving heart and how he wants people to know that that's, that's how he is. That's how he lives. That's how he thinks. Uh, this George MacDonald was a guy from church history who's pretty powerful. He, this is another one of my all-time favorite quotes. Uh, it says, This is and has been the father's work from the beginning. You know, to bring us into the home of his heart, that's our destiny. It's to be brought into the home of the Father's heart. That's the destiny of every human being on this planet that God has ordained for us. And I think we will spend our life pursuing that, that destiny. So I read this story uh, actually in Newsweek magazine. Uh, there was a, a neurosurgeon who, you know, that's a brain daughter for people who don't know better. And he was a very brilliant neurosurgeon. He was a professor at Harvard Medical School, and, you know, he trained surgeons. And he was a very much a skeptic about near-death experiences. And because being a neurosurgeon, that's something that's a part, part of their life. Because people die a lot, have you know their brain dies, and and so they hear stories. And he never believed any of the stories because one of the things he said, because he's so brilliant, he understands the brain better than anybody. But he don't really understand it. Is he says the brain is such a sensitive organ that you cannot do anything to the brain, very little, and the brain's going to react. So in there, in the medical community, these near-death experiences will. Something was happening, and it was a natural phenomenon. None of that was real, what people were seeing, because we know how the brain is. We know how the brain acts when something is done to it. Well, what happened to this, to this neurosurgeon, he got meningitis. It, it got into his spinal column and went into his brain, and he was rushed to the, to the emergency room. And he said later that by the time I got to the emergency room, the best hope for me was to live in a vegetated state for the rest of my life. He was pretty much gone at that point. And so he went in, and they had him, and, 
you know, his brain, the cor- he said the cortex of his brain, which is like the basic function of the brain, was dead. There was no, there was nothing. Of course, he's knowing this afterwards. He didn't know it then. And he, so from a medical perspective, he was brain dead for seven days. And no brain activity. He was, he was gone. And he actually came to the day. The surgeons were all there at the family discussing, you know, taking him off on life support. And he opened his eyes and came to. Yeah. But here's the thing he said. Um, he said, um, he tells a story about what happened to him. And y'all know I'm interested in the other world, so to speak. Um, he said that heaven is really real. And these near-death experiences that people are having, they're, they're really real because from a scientific perspective, he was dead and they knew it. But he said, I was very much alive and very much conscious, conscious of being in another world. And he went in and he began to share some of the things he saw. And when I read some of the stuff, it like floored me because my minor little experiences I've had in the spiritual world immediately, I don't know, you know, you, sometimes you hear stuff and immediately you're pulled into it because you you know it yourself. You know what I'm talking about? It's like there's this instant connection. It's like I got sucked into what he was saying because I've actually even seen some of the things he saw, just a tiny glimpse but where he was seeing it for a while. But this being, this angelic being was with him, and this is what it told him. He said, without using any words, she, because it looked like a female, spoke to me. He said, the message went through me like a wind, and I instantly understood it was true. And she told me three things. And this is really powerful. Number one, you are loved and cherished dearly forever. You are loved and cherished dearly forever. And that's what the Father wants every person in this room to know. Second thing is you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. And the third, now get your, get your old religious hat off now. Because this will mess with your religion. There's nothing you can do wrong. There's nothing you can do wrong. That's for, he said the message, now this, this is what really, the message flooded me with a vast and crazy sensation of relief. It was like being handed the rules to a game I had been playing all my life without fully understanding it. It's like suddenly I understand the rules of life. It's those three things. I am loved and cherished dearly forever. I have nothing to fear. There's nothing I can do wrong. That's the rules of the game. And see, that's really, I believe, 
He's got a book coming out, by the way. This was in Newsweek magazine. Come on, Newsweek. I've read it and I saw it on the air and said, I'm going to get me a Newsweek magazine. I couldn't find it, but I found a way of getting it even better. You got this thing called bookcase or something like that. Anyways. Whew. See, that's what the Father wants people to know now. He wants us to know the rules of the game. Okay? The game of life. He wants us to know these are the rules we play by. Yeah. You, you have to know this. You and I have to know. That's what the Father is always wanting to do. He's always wanting to show action towards us and reveal Himself. Um, y'all enjoying this hymn? This is my hymn. Uh, I want to read 1 Corinthians 4.15. This is a famous scripture, of obviously, in the church world. It says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. So, this is what I was thinking about that. Um, this, is, this is where God wants to take people. God wants to reveal to people the rules of the game. He wants to reveal his heart, the Father's heart. Okay, that's, that's what he wants to do. He wants to reveal himself to us. And in revealing himself, of course, we begin to know who we are. And that's like a, this major healing thing that will come into your life when you begin to, when all that begins to happen. There's a healing and there's an identity that you finally connect with your real identity, who you really are. Okay? You know, it was interesting when that thing that, that guy said, when he got well, he, it took him a while to process all this because all his theology suddenly got blown out the window through this encounter he had. Isn't it great when God blows your theology out the window? I mean, it's a good day when he just trashes your theology. Like, that's not a good theology. How about this? Have an up, up, upgrade. You know, that's like going from a PC to, a, to an Apple. Yeah. I mean, that's an upgrade. You know, it's like going from a Motorola phone to an iPhone. You know? And so, you should do that. It's like going from something to an iPad. Whatever, you know, them other things. They are. I'm getting paid to do this. If I could get Apple to pay me, I'd be getting a lot more money too, right? Anyways, he said, you know, the medical community were just like him. They were skeptical. They're skeptics. He said, but this is awesome. He said, it was one place that I found that people could hear what I was saying. This is the greatest testimony of the church I ever heard. It's the church. And he wasn't a church guy. In fact, he said, before this happened, I would say that I was a Christian but I didn't act like a Christian. I didn't live the Christian life. I just, in theory, I was a Christian. But after this encounter, he, be, he started really living his Christian life. He became a Christian. He was a Christian at that point. He was a follower of Christ. 
And, but the place he found people would listen to what he had to say and believe what he was saying was the, was the church. And he actually found in the church this connection that brought him, helped him connect back into that spiritual world and through that experience. And so that's a really good testimony for the church. And it was a traditional church he was in, a real traditional church that he went to. And he was able to actually, they were able to hear his heart and hear what he was saying. And we really, God really wants to reveal his world to us. But I wanted to read this 1 Corinthians 4. And uh, I got really a specific thing I want to say to you about this, actually. Uh, Being a father, when I say father, it could be, if you're a female, you could be a mother. You know, this is what the message, how the message of the Bible says this. It says something like this. There are a lot of people around you who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. Isn't that good? It was as Jesus, as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. See, here's what God wants to do. is He wants to help us grow up. Okay? This is something. I don't know if I can really say this. We, we can really get this. We're looking to the wrong source. Okay, many times for what we want to do or what we feel like God's called to do or our dreams, it's like we're looking to the wrong, wrong thing. We're, we're missing something. You see, as a parent in the natural, what do parents do? They, they raise their children up. They help them grow up, Right? That's what they do. They help them grow up. And then at some point, because they grow up, they are able to do whatever they're supposed to do with their life. And we have this notion in our mind that this thing called church is supposed to do this for us. And really, and the reason we think that, because the church really is more like a mother than a father, Right? It's the broader cross. It's and nothing can be birthed without a you know two male and female. And so what the father wants to do is help. He wants to release people to be fathers and mothers. He wants to bring us into that so we can help other people grow up. Okay, and that's really all that. Paul did. That's all that Peter did. That's all that Jesus did. He, he helped them grow up. And then because he helped them grow up, they became and was able to do what God called them to do. You see, we, we are, we've got something off with us. And the fact that we're looking for something from a source that we're not supposed to get it from. Okay? Is this making sense? I hope it is. It makes a lot of sense to me because I've been thinking about this for a long time. And see, God really wants to bring the church into really into a new level. Okay? And that level is this, helping people grow up. 
That's really what he's interested in doing. He just, that's all he wants to do. He wants to help people grow up. In the end, you know, we're going to have to, whatever he, what are we growing See, I can't, I can't live my son's life for them. I can't be, I can't make their life work for them. You know, my, my job was to help them grow up so they could do it. Now I'm going to be there to support them in the sense that if they need me, if they need some counsel, they could ask, or I might slide some in unknowingly. <laughs> and see, that's really where God's interested in bringing our church. I really believe this. Because this is what I believe. I believe in a revival. I believe a revival of people who don't know who don't know the Lord. I believe in a revival of people who are looking for that place that says this. You are loved and cherished dearly forever. That they're looking for a home a home that they can walk into and that's what they get in that home. You are loved and cherished dearly forever. You do not have anything to fear. And you can't do anything wrong. Now that you can't do anything wrong is sort of a challenge. But when you look at the prodigal son... From the father's perspective, neither one of them boys did anything wrong. He wasn't talking to them about what they, where they failed. He was just showing, trying to show them their heart. That's really, that's really what God has for us. That's what He has for us. To be able to, to release that out of us. That people could find that. That we could be that. That's really what he's called us to do. Well, I hope he's called y'all to do that because he's called me to do it. (laughs) I really believe this. And then there's this one more. Are y'all okay? That's my only time I've said that this morning. What is the Father doing? That's the, the key question. He's loving people. Uh, Song of Solomon. Did I, I don't think I gave you this one, did I? No, it's okay. Eight five. Everybody knows this. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? Song of Solomon eight five. Who is this coming up from from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? So, my thought is this. Well. I've spent some weeks trying to find out what's the most important thing. I mean, really, what is the most important thing? And this is it. It's him. It's, 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 not this, it's not all this other stuff. It's not all this other stuff. 
And so when we go through a bad time, we're either going to come up leaning on him, closer to him, wanting him more, or not. But we're certainly not going to be the same. It's one, it's one or the other in my mind. I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of black and white when it comes to that. That We're either going to want to know Jesus more and want to be with him more and want to be closer to his heartbeat or we're going to be further away from him. And my, my dream, and that's really, I could say that, Lord, this is nothing matters. Really what matters is, am I close to you? Have I really got my, have I got my head, have I gone through a bunch of trouble in my life and did it cause me to put my head close to your, your chest? And that's really what he's looking for. He's just looking for people who, can take that spot. You know, sort of like the John the Apostle leaning on Jesus at the Last Supper. You know. And hearing his heartbeat and feeling his heartbeat and feeling him. And and, and then everything else is like everything else is everything else is negotiable then. My ministries are negotiable. My, if, if I'm a career guy, that's negotiable. It's all negotiable at that point. And so I just found myself there, and that's what he told me. He started talking to me about him and about how he is looking to reveal his father's heart like it's never been revealed to us. And he really wants people to know that they're dearly loved and cher- I mean, dearly loved and cherished. That that's his hunger and desire. And he wants people to feel like they're they can be in a place where they're not full of fear. And he wants people to feel like they're in a place where they can't do wrong. It's like, I'm going to screw up if I say the wrong thing or do something. He's like, that's not what my house is about. That's what not, my home is not like that. My home is you can't, you can't do anything in my house wrong. Because no matter what you do, I'm going to still love you. I'm going to still embrace you. I'm going to love you through it. And I'm going to give you everything I've got. If you're being a jerk about things, I'm still going to give it to you. And I want to convince you. You see, that's what's going to change our hearts. It's not all the other things. That's going to change our hearts. It's going to cause us to fall in love with Him. It's going to cause us to really pursue Him and desire Him above all other things. And the other thing is the Holy Spirit River. You know, we were singing that song about the river. This morning, right, I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors. Sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Well, as a good friend said to me, Byron, there's one thing to talk about the river of God. There's another thing to experience the river of God. They're two separate things. You know, they really are. They're two separate things. God wants every person on this planet to experience the river of God. Every person. There's not a soul on this planet that he has not invited. When I was in Korea last year, I preached at this Presbyterian church. And I preached about the river of God. 
and the pastor was doing the interpretation. And he was a really good guy to do interpretation. And when we got through, he looked at me and he said, I need to talk to you. And I thought, oh, God, I'm in trouble with the pastor. So we go back in this room. This river thing that you're talking about, I need to know more about it. I've seen this river. I didn't know what I was seeing. I need to know more about this river. This is what my church needs. My church needs this river. I need this river. Can you help me get this river? I thought, whew. (laughs) I thought I was going to be in trouble. You see, the river is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings this revelation of the Father to us. He's the one who brings the love to us. I mean, I'm not wanting to have to go through some kind of coma to have these encounters with the Lord. I'd prefer not that route. (laughs) I just prefer the ones by faith, you know, when when you let the river flow in your life. I've got a river of God flowing out of me. Do you have a river of God flowing out of you? You've got a river of God. I mean, you really do. But is it flowing out of you? You know, is it? I mean, that's the thing. That's the question. Is the river flowing out of me? Make the lame to walk. Opens prison doors. Open the blind to see. So, I'll be singing this hymn one of these days when I get, get it down to musical notes. The Hymn of the Wilderness. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, come on, I have the view. Um, it's been about a month ago, and I had a dream after this all happened with the ceiling. And what it was was we were the church in. We were all it was positioned the same way, only we were facing a different direction. And what it was was. Um, the media and the sound were over here, and then this huge river flowed in front of it. And then here was the whole church, but they were facing that way. And Pastor Byron was up there, and I thought, um, oh, and then something happened. The I was doing the media that day, and I showed up, and Brian was there, and Corey Mead was there up working the media trying to get things right and um the sound was good but the media something wasn't right i guess that meant structure but uh so i came in and all of a sudden it fell into the river and i thought it about killed me because i was crying so hard i didn't want to tell byron that the computer fell into the river (laughs) But everybody was facing that way. Byron went on with everything as usual. Everybody in the church was like, they were just fine. Like nothing was going on. No, 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 you know, problems. And um, I, so I, I told Byron about it and I asked the Lord, I said, but why were they all facing that way? And that's the thing when all this happened. We weren't focused on the structure of the building, and this is where we really are. We are in the river. The Holy Spirit's flowing in our life, and we're allowing it to flow out of us into 
the highways and byways and the streets, and we're touching people's lives with the with the love of God and the the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to share that with you because we were facing the right direction. We were facing out and not in. It was really good. That's really good, isn't it? So why don't we just stand up and let Becky play? We're going to um, play a song, but I wanted to tell you that I was, um, Byron and I got to go to the beach for a few days by ourselves in the middle of all this, and, um, you know, just, just soaked in this a few minutes, and it's a secular song. I think the Lord loves to sing secular songs to us because it gets all the religion out of it, you know, honestly. So um, just, are we ready to go? So just listen. This is Jesus' song, the Father's heart to his people. Thank you, Lord. Don't go changing to try to please me. You never let me down before. You're too familiar And I don't see you anymore I would not leave you In times of trouble We never could have come this far mm-hmm. I took the good times Take the bad times I take you just the way you are Don't go trying Some new fashion Don't change the color of your hair mm-hmm. You always have mine Although I might not seem to care I don't want clever conversation Never want to work at all I just want someone that I can talk to Want you just the way you are Need to know that you will always be Same old someone that I I could love you 
You can stand up now. Isn't that awesome? How you like it when God sings those love songs to you? Isn't that great? So, oh, isn't that good? We can just play that as we're going, guys. And if anybody needs prayer, well, that one just got me. That'll make you swoon right there. (laughs) But um, I want you to listen to that song over and over. Just It's on YouTube or download it because I really believe it has the heart of God for us right now. There were a couple of time, things that got me in there. One was that he will not leave us in times of trouble. And the other thing that got me is I'm not looking for clever conversation. I never want to work that hard. And boy, do we work hard to relate to the Lord when he's just wanting us just to be with him and hang out. And to know his love and that's really all he's really ever been after from the beginning. That's all it's been about. And we just get this big thing going and make it something it's not. So, amen. So, Lord, I just pray today that we will get that, Father. Lord, of the atmosphere in this place will be, Lord, just that we know your love, Lord, and we're able to return that love back to you, Lord. And, uh, Lord, I just bless this people in your name. And we want to pray today, we want to pray for people today, so if we have ministry team to come up. And-